Good morning, everyone. If you're tired of COVID, say amen. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I appreciate, we're going to, like, like Kate said, we're going to do some cupcakes next week, uh, we, we, similar to how we did on our anniversary service uh, back in uh, October when we celebrated three years. Um, and even that, even though we were outdoors and we got to, you know, it, it felt a little bit more festive because, you know, we were outdoors, it still, it wasn't our usual celebration, man. You know, like I said, we, we got some cooks in this church and we, we, we like doing some potlucks. And uh, so it hadn't felt right to not be able to do potlucks. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, but I'm, I'm believing that we're, we're getting through this. I'm, I'm believing we're closer to the end than to the beginning uh, of all this mess. And uh, when it happens, when it happens, I'm telling you, we're going to figure out. We're, we are going to do the potluck to end all potlucks. And we're going to celebrate. And, and there's going to be lots of hugging. Y'all just get ready. When COVID, when we're done and these masks come off. Everybody get ready for some hugs. Okay? Say, well, I don't like hugs. Well, then you probably don't want to show up to church that weekend because there's going to be, we're going to be, that's right, we're going to be some, hey, we were, uh, JJ and I were talking about, uh, there, there's going to, to all of you who are joining us online, we love you. We got a lot of church family that are still home. Uh, we love each and every one of you. We want you to be safe. But this, here's a concept for you. There's a new church concept that's about to come out. And it's called in-person church. <laughs> That's right. Instead of virtual church, it's online church. It's offline church. That's right. That's right. Uh, instead of virtual reality, it's just going to be like real reality, right? What a concept. And uh, anyways, it's it's I'm I'm ready I'm ready for the people of God to get back together, and and I, I miss everyone so bad. I understand. I understand. So if you are staying home, please know there is no condemnation. There's no judgment. We want everyone to be safe. Uh, but I miss seeing everyone's face. I miss seeing all of your faces. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of preaching to masks. <laughs> so uh, then, again, then again, some of us may take the mask off. We may say, hey, you know what? We all look prettier with a mask back on. You know, let's, let's just stay there. Amen. So uh, thank you all for those of you who are here. Uh, uh, it's good to have Sheena and, and your beautiful family. Thank you all for being here. He joins us uh, every Saturday online for our, our men's Bible study. We've got a group that will show up to the Dave Cave, and then we've got a, some folks that will join us uh, via a Google Meets, and Sheena's always there participating, and, and uh, so it's just good to see him. Uh, Jim and Barbara, it's so good to see you guys again. And uh, Jim, thank you for the kind words online uh, this week on Nextdoor. And uh, boy, every, anytime, anyone, anyone, anyone have this problem? If you like, every now and then, I'll send my periscope up out there on next door. And and every now, you know, like you come up out of the foxhole, right? And and uh, if, if you if you were on like this week, I you know, David Lambert did a beautiful job of of a of a promo video that's on our website for folks who are new. They can click, say, I'm new. And there's a, a greeting from me, and, and there's a nice B-roll footage of all of you guys, and, and everybody looks wonderful, and, and, and he did a fantastic job on it. So I just, I stuck it out on my Facebook, my personal Facebook page, and stuck it out on my personal uh, uh, Nextdoor page, just thinking, hey, well, here, you know, here, any, whosoever wants to see this can, can see it. Uh, I don't think anything about it, because if someone doesn't like it, they can keep scrolling, right? That's, I mean, that's my mindset. 
And uh, so on Nextdoor, I can't tell you the last time I posted anything on Nextdoor. I came up out of the foxhole, and sure enough, whoo, I took a bullet. So <laughs> from a lead, from a lead. It turns out that is a, that's against the rules. That is against the rules to, on Nextdoor. So there's a way that we can do it. We're going to be posting uh, special events on the Nextdoor calendar, event calendar. But, but Nextdoor nationally has a policy now. I can't. It, apparently, it is good policy. If you want, you, Michael, you can get on Nextdoor and you can fuss about my kids all you want, every single day, and, and, and with negativity. But don't advertise anything positive, all right? Don't do that. That's a good, I don't understand it, but that's the way it is. Now, actually, the, the person that got with me, he was, uh, he was very kind. Uh, he, was not, he was not mean at all, but I thought, man, are you serious? Okay, well, all right, well, we'll play by the rules. The Lord will help, me, help us fig- figure out how to get the word out by the rules, you know? I'm not even full-time yet. It's not till tomorrow, and I'm already in trouble. How about that? That's right. I'll be in full-time trouble next time. Amen. Uh, we're going to wrap up our first love series that we've been doing this month, the month of February. Everyone thinks about love and Valentine's Day, and I don't know, I think that text I sent Ryan just inspired me on Valentine's Day. Uh, I just, it, inspired, it inspired Ryan so much, he's serenading us on a piano today, on a keyboard, so uh, doing a good job on it. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, a story today. Uh, we're going to talk about... Um, when strangers meet, and if you'll bear with me, it'll be slightly, maybe a slightly different presentation uh, today, but, but it, it's something that the Lord put on my heart. Uh, Ryan's going to lead us in worship right afterwards on, with a song that's, that's just, uh, I, I've been feasting on, his, on, on his, his goodness and in his presence all week long and, and playing the song over and over. So uh, uh, let's just kind of get, get into it today, shall we? Psalm chapter 85, starting with verse 5. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. And my text really comes from verse 10 here. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. So I want to talk to you about a love story today. When strangers meet, mercy and truth are going to meet. Righteousness and peace will, will kiss. Now, David, about the time that he penned this song, he's already been crowned. At Hebron, actually three times, as priest and prophet, and ultimately as king. He is one of the most powerful men on the planet. King of not only Israel, but he's got a city named after him, the city of David. 
He's got a tabernacle named after him. The tabernacle of David. He put the ark out in the middle of a tent so that everybody could gather around and worship. Prophetically, he's written songs. Somehow or another, he gets lost in a, in a, in a, in a spiritual state when he would write songs that he could, he could see into almost our time. He, you know, he would write a psalm about, a, about the crucifixion as if he were even there. He could understood the grace that we lived in. He, he understood our type of worship in, a, in an age that was entrenched in mosaic ritualism when it comes to any type of concept of worship. David would reach through the years and pull from our dispensation back to his time and say, no, I want a relationship with him. I don't want to have to just deal with a bunch of Rules and regulations. I want to know him. That's why God said he's a man after my own heart. Because he knows ultimately what I want to do through Christ. And that's to reconcile all people back to us. J.J. sing about it today. We were born to be in relationship and communion with him and intimacy. And David got it to such a degree that the God said, hey, out from you I'll bring a Messiah that will save the whole world. He understood it. He, he, he had hewn out a kingdom via the sword. He was a happy warrior. He would create instruments and invent instruments in which to praise the Lord. He would order the Levites and all the people and conduct them as to how to worship God like never before seen. It's as if he could peer down the, the, the prophetic telescope to how we are free to worship and to celebrate and to dance and to cry and, and bow down and sit in meditation. All the various forms of worship. David could see it and brought it back in. There was a praise in the land that up until that point had never been seen. And he had fought and slain enemies left and right. He was a psalmist, but he was a warrior. He was poetic, but he could go nuts on you. It was like Shakespeare and Rambo all wrapped up in one. <laughs> and he decides he loves God so much. He said, look how rich I am. Look at how beautiful. I've got this house of cedar. And God, you're sitting out there in a tent. I'm going to build you a church. I'm going to build you a temple. He tells Nathan, right? He tells Nathan. He's a Nathan the priest. And the Nathan said he did like any good preacher. Woo! Glory. You're going to build me a church? Sounds good. Let's do it. But later that night, he returned back to David. And he said, uh, David, listen, God's been talking to me. God never asked you to build him a church. He never asked you to build him a house. Matter of fact, he wants to build you a house. God said, I'm going to build you a house, David. I'm going to build you a kingdom, an everlasting king kingdom. From you, I will give you a king. And David could see it. He would go into these states in the spirit when he would write and sing and praise him. He, would, he could see it. He, he would, I, I, I see him. I see him, and I see the grace, and I see this. But he was, really what David was wanting to do in his own humanity, he was trying to bring God up to his own standard of living. We're, we're kind of guilty of that, right? Lord, I want to do this for you. Look how good my life is. This is what I want to do for you. 
And yet God's like, no, you're not going to build me a church, David. I'm going to build you something. I believe that that's the word that God has for gathering church and for this fellowship right here in this community and in the greater community. Don't try to build me anything. I'm building something. We've got a jealous Jesus on on our hands. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. You want to build me something. That's the problem with modern day Christianity is we get caught up in, well, this is the pattern in which you want to do this. This is the the style in which you go, hey, these studies have shown this and these polls have said that. And that we've got a lot of people that are starting to struggle and fade away spiritually because they're trying to stabilize something. You remember when David put the Ark of the Covenant on an ox cart to bring it back into town. Well, first of all, you're not supposed to carry the glory like that. And yet he, had, he came up with his own idea. And boy, we, we're really bad about doing that within churches. Let's come up with our own plan and ask God to bless it. And then all of a sudden, when the ox cart started shaking, you remember the story, a couple of them boys reached up to stabilize it. We got a lot of folks that feel, when they start feeling churches getting a little unstable, hey, let me get a hold of this. And those guys ended up like tater chips, really, <laughs> you know, got fried. In other words, there's some people, we've got a lot of folks that have fallen away because they've tried to s- take action on something that they felt was unstable. When God's saying, hey, do it, don't do it the way that you want to do it. Find out what I want to bless and do that. And David would be the one who would, who would the Bible said he danced naked before the ark when he brought it in. In other words, he wasn't naked. He actually had, they said that he had a priestly ephod on. In other words, the, the undergarments of the ephod. But his wife, his wife taunted him and said, weren't you cute dancing naked before all the maidens of the land today? What, he wasn't naked. She was jealous. He was naked without his kingly robes. He put on the garments of a minister or of a priest. Because he understood if you're going to have the presence of God move into your life, you've got to shed every ounce of self-importance and authority you think you walk around with in this world and you become a priest. In other words, another fancy word for a priest is a servant, a minister, a janitor. Paul said we are stewards of the gospel. So it doesn't matter how important you think you may be in life. If you want the presence and the glory of God to follow you around, you just become a minister. And any place, any elevation you reach in life is really for the sake of ministering his his glory in some capacity. And so David had this whole, you know, the things became weary for him. Lord, I just want to build you a house. That's all I'm asking. And now you're telling me, no, he couldn't be consoled. They were trying to cook him his favorite meal. No, I'm just not hungry. Here, here, let me shine your crown for you. No, 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 get away from me, get away. So he goes for this walk, and he starts heading down a familiar road, a calf hoof-beaten path that led him back. It's only four miles between Jerusalem and and Bethlehem, actually. If you've ever been over there, it's it's, it's about a five-minute drive, if traffic is good, from Old Town, Jerusalem, into Bethlehem. Matter of fact, it'll, be, it'll take you longer to cross into Bethlehem because it's Palestinian occupied. And so if you're there with a tour guide, he's got to get off the bus and let one of those guys get on the bus and take you on in. So David's heading down four miles to his hometown where he used to, he used to tend to his father's sheep and he would write songs and he would feel the presence of God. And 
There, there was the rock that he remembered taking an old parchment paper and, and being inspired and saying, the, the Lord is my rock and my salvation. There it is. I remember that. And he goes on and he, he sits down and he sees this little still waters over there. Oh, yeah, there's that. That's where, that's where the brook kind of runs nice and quiet. And, and he leads me beside still waters. I remember that so much. And he finds this hewn out place where he used to bring all the young calves and, and the ewes and the, the, all the young goats and, and would hide them when there would be lightning storms. And he said, the Lord is a, is a shelter in the storms of life. He, I, I remember pinning that. So he sits down. And he just begins to talk to God. Are you going to be mad at us forever? You won't let me build you a house because the prophet said, I'm not going to, you can't build him a house. God says you're too bloody. Your hands are too bloody. You fought too many wars. He would have Solomon, David's son, would eventually build him a temple. But he said, David, you're too bloody. He said, I don't want to believe. I'm tired of the fighting. That's all I've done. I fought. I fought. I don't know, there's someone here who needs to hear this today. You, you're tired of fighting. You've, you've been believing God. You've, you're, you've kept your faith up. You've not been discouraged. You've, you've been courageous in things, but you're just, Lord, how long am I going to have to fight this situation? And there he is. Just When? When are you going to send salvation? When do we? It seems like as soon as we have peace and I can sit down and start writing a new song. Now I got to go war up here. I got to go fight these people. Now all of a sudden the Philistines are acting up. We got to go whoop up on them. When do we get to stop fighting? And then he says something that we all need to say. He said, ah, he said, I will, I will hear from the Lord. I will listen to the Lord. God has to remind me sometimes, if you're going to bother asking me a question, why don't you shut up and let me answer it? Man, we start asking questions and then we keep whining, don't we? I know, I know folks say you should never question God, but I'll be honest with you, I can't help myself. It's not because I don't have faith in him, it's just because I need some answers in my life. There are some times that only he's the one that can answer. I don't, look, I, I love good counsel and, I, and I've got friends who I can go to and sit down and ponder with and, and process, but there's times I just need to hear it straight from him. When? It's, it's a good thing you guys haven't hung out in the Dave cave sometimes it's just been me and God. There's a lot of when, why, how, What? I'm going to sit back and listen to him. Why? Because David said, ooh, in, in Psalm 85 that we read, he said, hey, you're going to, he's going to speak peace. He's going to speak some peace, and he's going to speak of salvation. And then all of a sudden, once again, David's caught up in this prophetic vision, and he sees it. This window opens up that he can see years, hundreds of years down the road. Oh, there it is again. There it is again, that age of grace. He's looking through, and he says, he see, I can see it. I can see it. Truth, truth meets mercy somewhere up there it's somewhere where the road looks like it connects i can see it Tr truth and mercy meet righteousness kisses peace see that was not a concept that was known true you had truth there was just no mercy but if i can figure out maybe i can step through that window maybe i can know the moment that truth is going to meet mercy there was truth lots of truth but there was no mercy. You remember the story of Saul? Was it uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, the story of Saul? He tells him, 
says, Saul, I want you to go whoop up on the Amalekites. This is God talking. Go whoop up on the Amalekites because now that you are a powerful army, now that you're a great nation, I want you to go because they were cruel to my people when they were in the wilderness and they wouldn't give them food. They wouldn't give them water. They shut us out. Now that you're a great nation, I want you to go wipe them out. Every last one of them, every man, every woman, every child, the pregnant mamas, I want you to kill their dogs, their cattle, their cats, kick over every goldfish tank, waste them. Not one of them. I want them wiped off the face of the planet. Why? Because the truth is they had mistreated my people when my people were in need. Done with them. And Samuel the priest, if you remember the story, he comes trotting up the road. And all of a sudden, here comes Saul. He's got King Agag with him. He's got the, the choicest of all the cattle and the sheep. And Samuel's like, what are you doing? And all of a sudden... Saul, so what does he do? He, woo, glory. He gets all spiritual all of a sudden. Glory to God. Praise to your God. He said, hey, we're just bringing the, the best cattle to come back and sacrifice to your God. See, that's what happens with those kind of spirits. They always start out praising God, but then they'll lie to you to your face. These disobedient spirits, right? And he says, you know, Samuel says, are you an idiot? <laughs> So do you not understand that obedience is better than sacrifice? Samuel had to like go and kill the king and slaughter the rest of the cattle. Why? Because God is the one who said, do it. How crazy is that? God said it was a righteous thing to do. Why? Because it was truth. Truth had not known mercy. Truth had not met his spouse. He had not met his better half. There was only truth. How about this one? Is it uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua, chapter 7? Achan. They call, hey, Achan, Achan, can you come out here? They're in the, they're in the valley of, uh, it was, it's interpreted the valley of, of trouble. It's the valley of Achor. Here they are camped in the valley of Achor. Achan, come on out here. They're just a few days out from the victory in, in, at Jericho. Everyone remembers the story of Jericho, right? They marched around the city of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Boy, we learned about that a bunch in Sunday school growing up. And God, God had them defeat Jericho, but he told them, he said, you do not take one ounce of spoil. Do not take any of the spoils because all the spoils belong to me. They are a first fruits for all the other battles you're about to win. It's a tithe. Don't you touch it. It belongs to me. And Achan, Achan saw a a Babylonian robe that, ooh, that, that would look nice on my wife. And we haven't had a whole lot. You know, my wife's been wearing the same thing for 40 years, traveling across the world. I'm just going to take this for a minute. Let me take it. And then he, he took that and he saw some coins. And the Bible said a gold, a bar of gold. He said, this, oh, they're not going to miss this. And he hid it, hid it up under his tent. Now they're, they, they, go to, they go to fight Ai. The next stop was Ai. We're going to go defeat Ai. They should have defeated it. But the men of Ai stood up and and. and and turned back the men of Israel. And they said, they cried. They said, Lord, why is this victory? He said, well, because it's Achan. Achan stole. Achan stole the stuff. So think about it. The truth was he stole. He disobeyed. So here they are. Hey, Achan, come on out here. Come on out here. And old Fred wakes up says, hey, what's going on? Said, hey, you got a rock? You got a rock? You got a rock? Hey, Fred, how you doing? I'm doing all right. What's going on? Oh, we're about to have a stoning. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, pick up a rock. Get you a rock. How's your hamburger stand doing up there? I mean, it's crazy stuff. It's like everyday stuff going on here. 
And yet the entire family of Achan, him, his wife, his children, all of his cattle, his pets, everything totally demolished with stone, not just by a dozen people, but I'm talking about thousands of people. This whole nation. Why? Because it was truth and no mercy. Yet David is writing this song and he's stepping through somewhere mercy and truth are going to meet. Somewhere, somewhere strangers are going to get together. Somewhere righteousness and peace will kiss. And he steps in and he sees there's this man on trial now. Now that he steps through the window and he sees, oh son, what have you done? He realizes it's his descendant. This is the one that God had promised him. And he's on trial and they're, they're, they're accusing him falsely. And they're saying, crucify him. Let his blood be on us. Crucify him. Let his blood be on us. And he's thinking, God, this is another one of your raw deals. Son, what have you done? What truth have you broken? Don't you know there's not going to be any mercy? And yet somewhere along the line, there was a woman that kind of pushes through and grabs David's. Said, you don't look like you're from this time period, do you? Said, don't listen to any of these people. So let me tell you, there's something about this man. It was the truest man I've ever met. Said, I had an issue of blood for years, and I just touched the hem of his garment, and I was healed, just like that. Another man steps up and says, hey, listen, pal, you don't look like you're from around here, but let me tell you, don't you listen to a word of these accusations. Said, I came to him in the middle of the night. I've been a student all my life. My name's Nicodemus. I came to him. And in one conversation, he spoke more truth to me than anybody else. Let me know about a new birth that I can encounter. Truth. Did you say truth? Did you say truth? Because back there, back there, if you could see, there's a window somewhere back there. Then it leads back to the pasture I was sitting in. And, and, and somewhere I saw truth and, and mercy would, would get together. Another man showed up and said, hey, don't listen to the thing they said. He's, he is the resurrection, and he is truth. He brought me back from the dead. My name's Lazarus. He's the truest thing I've ever encountered. Truth. Did you say truth? Where's mercy? I've got to know where truth and mercy. He can't stay angry with me forever, can he? Mercy. Where is mercy? Now, the thing about mercy was she was hidden she was behind a veil sitting on her seat, known as the mercy seat. And once a year she would be visited and the blood of bulls and goats would be poured on her. And she would step aside and let it hit the seat and she would graciously hold the Shekinah glory on her head. But she was kept behind that veil, a very, very thick veil in the Holy of Holies, this sacred closet on which the ark, the presence of God, would sit. And she was there through all of it. Mercy was. When the Amalekites were getting slaughtered, she heard, she heard, she could hear the cries. She could hear the cries of innocent children. When it seemed to be the righteous thing for a spear to go through a 12-year-old boy's chest, and about the time his dad runs out of the barn to grab him, an arrow gets him in the neck. And yet this is righteousness. This, why? Because it's truth. Yet mercy stood behind this veil. Just let me at him. Let me, if someone would let me out, 
If someone would just let me out of this room, I would bring everybody I could meet in here. Their truth would never have to be the end. Their truth would never have to define them. Their truth would never have to end horribly. When Aiken's family was getting stoned and his children were saying, why are they doing this to us? What are they doing? Could you imagine the horror of this family getting stoned? Didn't even, wasn't even aware of what the dad had done. She would stand back there and cry out, don't, don't, does anyone hear me? Mercy. And yet David, and the, he's only four miles away, I can still hear him, you know, she's held up in a tent back in Jerusalem. He's down in Bethlehem writing this, having this holy vision. He said, truth will meet mercy. Did you say truth is going to meet me? I've got, a, I've got a spouse. I've got a lover that's going to come see me. I'm going to meet who, when, where, how. Where is he? Now, as this man is on trial, and he's dragging this cross out, and his biceps are worn, his chest, his chest is quivering from the weight of it, his calves, his calves are given out, his quads are trembling, he can't even carry it, and they, they're getting another man to carry it for him, and she's hearing all this ruckus, and she realizes she's behind that veil, and she goes, what, Wait, hang, hang on, I know he was here. The first time she heard Truth's voice, she was there, he showed up in the temple, and she heard his voice, she stood up off of her seat, and she paced. I know that's him. I can hear his voice, but it sounds like a child right now. And he said something to the effect of, did you not know I had to be here amongst my father's business? That's him. That's him. I know it's him. I know it's him. I know it's him. I need mercy and truth hadn't met yet. And about the time people would come to the temple to offer their sacrifices and she would hear them talk and they say, hey, have you heard of this Jesus guy? This Jesus, somebody, somebody, somebody heard him tell his disciples that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Did you say truth? Did you say truth? He's here, he's here. When, how, when, when am I gonna see him? And then verbatim, quote all the lyrics of David's psalm. Psalm 22. And she's thinking, is this the end? He was supposed to meet me. I was supposed to meet him. And now he's, he's being murdered. He's being crucified. Somewhere in the course of all that, there's a great tearing that starts taking place at the top of that veil. That big division. She was never allowed to get out until that veil was rent from the top down. I love it. It wasn't, it wasn't torn from the bottom up, but it was torn from the heaven side down. This thick veil, and finally mercy, steps through out of the Holy of Holies, finds her way out to a bloody cobblestone street, walks down the Via Della Rosa. Some of you have been over there, and you've walked that path out to the edge of town, to Skull Hill, where the trash heap was, and finds herself at the foot of a cross. 
and looks up. And for the first time, mercy meets truth. Her lover. For the first time, righteousness kisses peace. Strangers meet. Let's all stand. I don't know what truth you're having to struggle with right now. I don't know the truth of all of your situations. I know some of your situations. We all live right around each other. We all are in and out of each other's lives. And some of you have endured some incredible things. And you're still trying to. And you've not lost the faith. You've not, Ryan, if you wouldn't mind, come on up. And get ready to help us here. Uh, you've not lost the faith. You've not fully become discouraged. But man... The truth of what's going on in your life is pretty heavy and becomes burdensome and becomes weary. Can I tell you today that mercy has met your truth, that peace is going to kiss righteousness in your life, that there is a place in him that you can go where he will hide you in his secret place that even the enemy can't see, can't interfere with. There's a sweet presence that you can step into, even this morning. When you raise him up above everything, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I'm going to draw everybody unto me. Lift him up in your heart. And let his mercy and his peace meet the truth of your circumstance and your situation today. It's a love affair that he's involved you in. It's a sweet passion. There's a divine romance he wants to have between his Holy Spirit and you. He's not calling us to some contrived religion some set of rules and regulation. But he's calling us back to the garden, as JJ's saying. Back to a place of total unity, oneness. The Bible says that there's now no more middle wall of partition between us and God. Because Christ, he's knocked it down. I love it. That's a carpenter term. <laughs> he knocked out that middle wall of partition. He just opened up the room. Mercy is going to meet the truth of your life. I want you to, while Ryan sings, I, I want you to take some time and, and move into a place in worship. It's a beautiful song. I've been, I've been singing this song all week. I spent some time and cleaned out my garage and had this song playing. My neighbors probably think I'm insane. I just wept in his presence just a release of everything I've had to walk through back into him to allow his mercy to infiltrate my truth. Amen. Strangers met right there in my garage. While he's singing, I'll, I'll mask up. A, I'm, I'm going to go off to the side. If you need prayer for anything today, give me a chance. I know we can't with social distancing. We can't have a big old altar call. But if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come see me. I'll mask up. And I'll speak over you and pray over you. But let's take a few moments.
and let's concentrate on him and nothing else. Nothing else. We got the rest of our day ahead of us, and that's all well. All that stuff is going to wait on us. But for the next few moments, nothing else but him. Let his mercy meet your truth. Amen.